everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Revelation Wellness Podcast. You guys, today it's crazy. Hey, take risks. <laughs> Let me encourage you to take risks. I read this woman's book um, probably about a month ago. Couldn't put it down front to back. Uh, have known of her in terms of uh, people connecting, you know, people that I know that know her have talked about her. And so I've just kind of my eyes have opened up to what Jenny Allen is up to. Yes, Jenny Allen, uh, the founder of the If Gathering and If Equip, the author of Anything as well as Nothing to Prove. This latest book, Nothing to Prove, I felt like she was reading my mail. I felt like this speaks, I know to those of you that feel like performing and striving and even when you feel like you're doing works for God and you don't even know it but you know it because you're exhausted you're tired and we're losing our joy so I took a risk emailed her hey would you come on this little podcast we have going on and wouldn't you know it she said yes so I was like okay guess we're doing this she is going to bless your socks off you guys she's going to talk to you a little bit about what the if gathering is so I really wanted to get that out because some people may or may not know what that is so she's going to talk a little bit about that um what it looked like for her to surround herself with healthy community kind of the obstacles she had to overcome to step into that calling God wakes her in the middle of the night and calls her and tells her disciple a generation <laughs> could you imagine you're what that's what God wakes you in the middle of the night tells you to do Okay, no problem, God. Let me get right on that, which, as she'll tell you, did not happen right away. She sat with it and how God slowly unwrapped that for her. And then we're going to talk about her book, Nothing to Prove. It's just a great book. I'm telling you, for those of you that feel like worn out, you're just tired. Like, why am I so tired? I know who God is. Why am I so tired? Why am I losing my joy? I don't really enjoy being a Christian. I don't really enjoy this. Like, how I read the gospel and here I'm to do it, hear what I'm called to, um, that book is going to help kind of unlock some, I think, some hidden doors, some places that we just haven't unlocked or we haven't looked at. And if you're willing to be honest with your heart, which I know you guys are, that's who you are, you're going to get some breakthrough just as she shares her story. As well in the book, for the first time, she discloses um, an eating disorder that she overcame when she was in her college years. I, uh, they tend to go hand in hand sometimes, this performing and striving and anxiety and wanting to be enough and not thinking you're enough and how the enemy comes to kill, still and des destroy a good thing, a good design. So she's going to talk a little bit about that as well as I asked her the question, what do you think is the greatest threat right now to the body of Christ? What seems to be the greatest threat that you um, looking around, discipling a generation, what do you see? And I tell you, she shared an answer and I just broke out in the Holy Ghost flop sweats. Like I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. Take a listen. All the show notes are here. How you can find more um, about If Gathering, about Jenny, her book. By the way, did I say buy it or download it or borrow it, go to the library, whatever. It's just a great, 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 great book. <laughs> and as well as... Um, Anything more you need to know about Revelation Wellness, we will have in the show notes as well. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please feel free to share it. Hashtag tripod. Share this and leave reviews. You guys are awesome. I read every single one of them. Thank you so much for doing that. All right, you guys have a great day. You're loved. So grateful you're here. Be well. Peace.
uh, in this time right now talking to this woman, Jenny Allen, you guys, is here with us today. I just have to say I got bold and I thought I'm going to email her and see if I can get her to come on this podcast. I, I know. You know what? It's true. Take risks, everybody. Take risks because she said oh. yes. And I just know that her story, what she's doing, what God is building in her, it just resonates with what I think God's doing on the earth today with um, raising up a generation, discipling a generation. And uh, if you guys don't know her, Jenny Allen is the founder of the If Gathering she also runs If Equip, has written a couple books. Her first one is Anything, and now this new one, Nothing to Prove. Um, and what I just love about you, Jenny, is you're just humbly, desperately needing Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that would be accurate. <laughs> that would be a good description. <laughs> I love that. I think that's where the true power of God rests in our weakness. And uh, so thank you for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for um, having me. Yeah, this is exciting. Like I said, um, when I read your book, I, I first of all, you read my mail. I felt like this woman's in my head. Um, she is writing something, and not only just from your vulnerability, the place is your story of nothing to prove. Uh, if to know this ministry, you guys know in Revelation Wellness, um, we use fitness as a tool, and the fitness and wellness industry is a trillion-dollar industry. It's a machine. It is, uh, you know, tr promising people, <laughs> satisfaction, money back guarantees to get resolutions or things that they want. And we know at the end, there's so many disappointed hearts, so many women that still feel like I, I still don't measure up, even if you get the goal. And, and that's something I know working with countless people over the years, it's never really about that thing. And um, so when I read your book, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my reader. So first of all, everyone who listens to this podcast, this book will resonate with you on so many levels as you are asking God to do in you what only he can do. Um, so Jenny, perhaps you could tell, first I'd like to know, because you're a dreamer, yes? Yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when did Too the, much so. <laughs> when, yeah, I get it. When did the dream of if gathering happen? Like what was the, the, the what was behind the scenes happening when you, God called you? And maybe you could give a little, because you know what, I have a lot of, not a lot, but there have been people that are like, what is the if gathering? Because you are still in the infancy of that thing. That thing is going to just sure. be crazy cakes. So if you could maybe explain <laughs> that a little bit to everyone and sure. then the energy of God behind that. Yeah. So if gathering is, an organization that is producing tools for leaders in the church who are who are making disciples, and and it goes back to a dream that I had. I think it was middle of the night, maybe my thirtieth birthday, and I wake up in the middle of the night and God like presses the words on my heart and on my life, disciple a generation, which was incredibly. I mean, it was just a ridiculous <laughs> word because. I had no Twitter account. I had no following. I probably had like 20 friends on Facebook, you know. Um, there was no way to do that. So for two days, I think I just felt depressed. And I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? This is ridiculous. And mm -hmm. wisely, a couple of friends that I was brave enough to, to tell about it just said, if this is God, like he's going to accomplish it. Just sit back. Amen. So I did. And I didn't think about it again for probably a few years. And Wow. And I really didn't think about it again, even as events started unfolding, because again, it was just, it was just so absurd. I just stuck it on the shelf. And so years <laughs> later, I'm at a writer's retreat and I'm, um, the reason I went was my husband sent me because I'd been writing Bible studies since I basically became a believer at 17. And I'd been teaching those in my 
home forever. Mm. And, and they were, they were growing and, and so much so that other churches were asking for copies. And so we were about to adopt our son and, and I just, he said, if you don't go right now and see like if publishers would want to do these things, you're, you're not going to do it for five or 10 years. Cause you're just going to be busy with, you know, we already had three kids and this was our mm-hmm. fourth. And so I just hopped on a plane. He put me there and, and I went to a writer's retreat and lo and behold, God just started opening incredible doors and, and doors that shouldn't have opened. And it was just always clear to me as he was doing this, that he was giving me favor for his kingdom, not for myself, that this yeah. was about him and his and as I kept going, the um, I built relationships, and I realized that that whole disciple generation thing would be a definitely a big group project. And <laughs> if gathering grew so quickly and so big, because not because of any of us that were involved here, it was because of women out there that said, you know what, I want to use these tools in my neighborhood. I want to use these tools in the church, and they gathered people around their computers, around their TVs and their living rooms and their churches. And, and they invited their neighbors and their friends. And before we knew it, there were hundreds of thousands of women that consider themselves part of our community and, um, and just really are leading in the trenches and doing amazing things for God. So, you know, largely it's a gathering in February every year Mm -hmm. and we, um, live stream that out to a lot of women. And then also it's if equip, which goes out, uh, pretty much daily and, and yeah. it's deeper equipping tools and, and other things too. If table, we have lots of different tools that we're putting out there. Yeah. I love how you're really, you're, you have a vision and you're not just talking about it. You're doing, <laughs> you're doing it. You're exemplifying it. You're taking risk. Uh, I see. I think also reading in the book, I love Jenny, your woman that you also take feedback, like you're willing to yeah. take hard feedback and to let people speak into your life. Um, was that something, I mean, how did, does that come naturally to you? Did you have to grow into that? Did the Lord have to deal with you on that? Yeah, that doesn't come naturally. I don't think that comes naturally for anybody. I think it's, um, it's against our nature as humans to want to hear what we're doing wrong or where we might be off. And (laughs) I'm just really blessed with some really strong people in my life. I have a strong team here at if I have strong friends, I have strong husband that, that they, they take care of me. And I've seen God's provision in having a plethora of voices. Now, not, not numerous voices, because at some point that breaks down, people don't really know you. They're going to have strong opinions. They're going to yeah, misunderstand you. That's right. And so you kind of have to choose who are your voice going to be and, and really have a handful that you respect and that will be bold and tell you the truth, but not have so many that you're confused and, misunderstood and Mm -hmm. constantly, you know, having your head down and being told too often what you're doing wrong, because none of us do this perfectly life. I mean, we we always are going to have places that, um, that we can grow. And so to constantly hear that you would be disabled, you would just be discouraged all the time. But to not have it at all, I think we become arrogant and, and we miss the work God wants to do in our lives. Yeah. Did you have to, um, like, when someone would bring you, have there been times when you're like, ah, let me just say, because you're surrounded by so many people and the influence continues to grow, clearly a lot of, you know, that's the impact of discipling a generation is somehow you're blessed, many are feel connected to you or feel, you know, that they somehow speak into the vision or, or whatever it might be if they have a good idea. How do you know when it's good fruit or not so good fruit what in terms of the feedback or a thought that someone has because there's still a part of us that has to be able to go 
I belong to the Lord. I hear from the Lord. But yet I also see kind of sometimes in the church, we can just say, oh, I, the Lord and I have it and disregard the feedback we're getting, right? Like, how do you hold yeah. that healthy tension of input and being solely, you got to be obedient to the Lord? Well, I think if our worth is in our performance, if our worth is mm. in the thing that we're doing, then we're going to just take that unusually hard. I remember, I think I read it in a Tim Keller book that that they he said something like, if, if your reaction is disproportionate to what this is about, then yeah. perhaps you have an idol yes. um, in your life that you need to confess and deal with. And so I think for me, I had to to be sure. And I constantly have to be sure that my worth and identity is not tied to what I do. Yes. It's tied to who I am in Christ. And so that is a constant daily thing for me, of course, but it's cool because what I love about emotions is emotions can serve as a compass. So when we have a strong reaction, when somebody calls us out, you know, are they really trying to be vicious and mean, or are they really just trying to help us and be, you know, and then some people are, they're truly just mean. And that's those you write (laughs) off because that's, not your problem, you know. Um, but not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, there are literally things you just need to flat ignore and and protect yourself from because it's Amen. just not, it's not constructive. It's not for your good. It's not for anything except for someone to vent. So Amen. that's great. That you know, that's different. But if you have people that love you and that they're for you and they're really bringing you constructive things that you you should learn from and grow from. Then, then that's an amazing gift. And, and yeah. if your worth isn't tied to it, then you're not sitting there flailing around because you've done something wrong because you expect to do wrong things. You expect to make mistakes. As a leader, I expect to hurt people. I expect yeah. to say something dumb. And, yeah. and, and I expect and hope that people will tell me that I did that and not keep that from me. That's, that's healthy yeah. relationships. Yeah. If we build a world where we fall apart every time somebody brings something to us, then we're going to build a very isolated world. And we're going to build a world where where nobody can come to us with anything that's true or real. And, and we're not going to have real deep relationships. We're going mm-hmm. to be very guarded and we're going to separate the world instead of let them in with all the mess of it. And, mm-hmm. and so I feel like conflict has actually been one of the greatest gifts to friendships. I remember one of my wow. dearest friends in the first year or two of our friendship, we hadn't had a good fight or disagreement yet. Mm-hmm. And yet I counted her one of my closest friends. And I remember thinking, Lord, I think... I think we need to have a disagreement. Like, I think we need to, if we're going to really do life and commit to each other, we need to have, you know, conflict. I know that's a crazy prayer and don't pray it because of course, (laughs) we're in conflict that I did not start that. I mean, totally took me off guard what it was. And, and, and sure enough, working through that, I think it, it did deepen our friendship and it, it was a, it's been a constant reminder to me that I can't fear those things. I need to lean into those things. Amen. Man, okay, you're already speaking our language. In Revelation Wellness, we have a saying that we're comfortable being uncomfortable. Like there is something healthy about our discomfort or our tension. And when you talked about emotions are a gift, (laughs) they are there to compass, to lead us to the Lord, but we have to be sober to our emotions, which takes me to the book initially before it was called Nothing to Prove, you felt that you, the title wasn't, you were to call it numb. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because that, isn't that what we do? We'd rather go, no, 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 I don't want conflict. No, no, no. I don't want to have problems in my friendships. No, no, I want everyone to be all right with me. Or we just pull back and numb out instead of the sober places. So for you, as you've become more sober, (laughs) I would say, would you say there's been a sobriety since the call to disciple a generation? (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. I mean, sobriety grows, but I think it's more often brought about by suffering than yeah. it is by by big callings and big moments. Certainly those have tested my faith and caused me to trust God more. But but I honestly, like behind the scenes in the last four years has been some difficulties and, you know, both big and small mm-hmm. that have affected our, our lives into such a scale that yeah. that it's really given a perspective to everything. Yeah. Um, so when I'm dealing with something difficult at work, it feels a little bit different when the night before I was helping my dearest friend in Austin Pack, who had a massive stroke and mm. in the midst of a divorce and mm. is moving and, and can't speak still, you know, there's a diff when you go to work the next day and have a, you know, something big blow up there, it feels a little different when that is what you were doing the night before. So I praise God for that. I mean, I don't yeah. praise God for my friend's stroke. So I do not right. believe that, um, he is God that, that produces evil, but I believe yeah. he, causes evil to work together for purposes we can't imagine and yeah. good. And and so I see his sovereignty over evil and I've seen him use my friend in incredible ways, but also be with my friend in beautiful ways and give yeah. her everything she needs daily to get yeah. through one of the darkest seasons of her life. So so I hate to say that because everybody, you know, you don't <laughs> want to hear that. That that character but you know, scripture's pretty clear that that suffering produces character, that the end Come result on. of hope and joy and all the things that that come from suffering is ultimately to produce a steadfastness and a character that can persevere through all things. So who would we be without that? I, I, I would be terrified to know. Yeah. So my sobriety, I would say, comes more from behind the scenes difficulty. The little moments. Yeah. 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 I bet that's so true. And I just, I can only imagine, has it been three years since the first If Gathering? Yeah, we're working on four. It's pretty crazy. We've had for we've had four if gatherings now so we just had our fourth so yeah since the first launch it's been three a little over three years I can only imagine the amount I mean because I know for myself um leading a ministry kind of and I, I love your story as in you're like mm, yeah no I don't think so God like that's a crazy call that's how I feel about <laughs> if everyone knows uh, the story yeah. of this ministry I said no 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 that is not cool god i'm not doing fitness for jesus no 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 <laughs> what will people think no that's weird no thank you and but yet as i continued to you know he just called and called now that i'm in it leadership is not for the faint of heart and yet don't you you feel but that's god's vision that god is to one leader produces another leader another disciple another disciple and that if people are afraid to step out of the boat starting with me number one mm-hmm. and f- enter into hard places like feel like it but our perspective one of the things i say often is that we have to see we see the problem instead of the endless possibilities because behind every problem are endless possibilities creativity happens new things happen as long as our hearts stay kind to the lord and not you know wrapped up in a fist fight against his plan he's gonna have his way amen Yes, absolutely. It's have, true. He is going to have his way. I have to ask this question because I just think it's it was genius. What was the impetus behind, hey, we're going to do this live streaming? Who Was that your idea? Yeah. Well, I would definitely not take credit for that. That was God's. It was pretty crazy how he's led everything with this. I mean, there has been clarity about certain things, not everything. And it usually comes at the very last minute. And sometimes it comes after the last minute where we've already announced, I think we announced a ticket price and we weren't even thinking about live streaming. And then we took it all back because we realized that 
we were doing it the way it had always been done. And if something's, mm. you know, a new wineskin and he's wanting to do a new thing, yeah. then then you've got to be open to the details of that new thing, not just the call of that new thing. And we realized that the skin would even be different and that we would make this accessible to everyone. So and we good. didn't have a ticket price. We opened it up to everybody. We didn't know how we would pay for it. It was a, that first event was, you know, events are expensive. That first event I think was four hundred to $500,000 total. Good night. And it was terrifying. I thought, Lord, how, I mean, we're going <laughs> to announce this with no money to pay for it. And, and so we just literally did it with donations. Everybody just gave a little. And I mean, our whole ministry now that is very expensive because we have technology right. and tools and all right. kinds of things going out every day is largely held together by $25 donations. It's a complete miracle how <laughs> this has happened. And, beautiful. and so we, we just stepped out in faith and said, okay, we're going to make it, we're going to open it up to everybody. I remember sitting in the venue that we were going to be in with um, a woman who had helped um, the Giglio start Passion. And, mm-hmm. and we were sitting up together at the top and I said, I feel like we're supposed to live stream this and it might be a disaster, but I feel like we're supposed to just open it up and show everybody, even if yeah. it is, it's not because I think it's going to be perfect. It's because I think it won't be, but I think we're supposed to show that too. Yeah. And she goes, then do it, yeah. then do it. And yeah. I remember I, I felt like I needed permission from somebody that was a little more experienced and wise. And the great thing about her was she'd, she'd been at many a passion. And so she knew the, the implications of that. And, and sure enough, I think the combination of what God had designed, because I didn't, again, I set out with a ticket price and this is what it looks like. But what he had designed is that, you know, hundreds of thousands of women would come together and build this thing together and they would take it into their cities and they would use it for their people because we always believed it wasn't, we weren't the generation of arenas. We were the generation of meals and homes and we were the generation of, you know, inviting neighbors over and building where we were and starting local and, and building the church. And, and so I didn't want everybody to have this mentality of come to us. I wanted it to be a, we're going to come to you and we're going to help you do what you're already doing in your lives and your communities. And so it was cool because it, rather than a vision or a mission, we really just became the resource that could fulfill so many people's vision, right? Like they had a vision to reach their neighbors. They had a vision to, to make disciples. They had a division, a vision to, make a difference in their communities. And we were just helping them and giving partnering with them and giving them tools to do that. So it really put us in a space of humility of how do we serve people rather than how does everybody come to us? And and it was, it was, you know, it was, I have to say, I thought of it. I, we really can. It was, it truly was God saying, step here, do this. It'll be terrifying and do it anyway. That's (laughs) the best. It'll be terrifying. Do it. Do it anyways. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's where growth, that's where kingdom happens. In your new book, um, I want to kind of switch gears. You are so vulnerable, honest, telling things. Um, I think you even titled one of the chapters Quiet Confession um, about in your college years that you had struggled with an eating disorder. And that was the first time you had made that public and known. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I had friends that didn't know that about me. Oh, until they yeah. read it in the book? Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, I told I tried to tell people close to me before it came out, but yes, my kids and, and things. Yeah, um, I told them, but wow, I know. Like I said, we clearly that right now a lot of women who are listening just perked up and went, "Okay, I'm not alone." Um, it's a secret mm-hmm. thing. It's a shameful thing. It's a hidden, a hidden thing. It's a control thing. You can do it, you know, in such a way that it you can justify it all these things but could you tell us a little bit of what that was like at that time of your life and maybe how sober you were or not sober to what was going on around you 
I think I started to see that, I think what I recognized first was that I had really become obsessive about it, that yeah. I was thinking, waking up, thinking about working out and eating. I was going to bed thinking about it. I was thinking about it throughout the day. So I think the first thing I realized was this is, this is something I'm thinking about a lot. And, and one of the things I've realized is, and I didn't at the time, was that we do have control over our thoughts. I think mm. at that point in my life, I was, I was subject to whatever my brain was telling me. I was subject to this channel that I could not change the button on. You know, I wanted yeah. to change the button. I wanted to turn the channel, but I didn't know how, and I couldn't do it. And I didn't think I, I could do it. I didn't know how to get out. And, and so I think the first thing that really started to shift everything for me was I read a verse in scripture that I'd never noticed before. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I think it's Paul wrote to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And it was the first ray of hope I had. I thought, Oh my goodness, you mean to tell me I can take my thoughts captive. I know this wow. sounds so elementary, but I just had never realized that that my thinking yeah. um, was in my control. It felt like my actions were in my control, but it didn't feel like my thinking was in my control. That's good. And so when I read that, it was hope that maybe I don't have to be par- paralyzed to this because I was pretty good. Like I could control even like if I got too thin, I could I could eat more. But it was the bondage of my mind that was so paralyzing. So I could control the perception of the eating disorder. I couldn't control how stuck I was in it and how much it was controlling my thoughts. And so it was just powerful to realize I could. It was powerful to realize, okay, God has a different way for me. And then it was powerful to realize that a lot of it for me, now there are certain people that it has moved to a medical condition. It is not, they do not fall in this category. Right. Um, But there was a part of it for me that was a sin, that I was truly idolizing something above God. And I was idolizing my appearance. I was idolizing my reception to other people. I was idolizing, you know, my, my personal goals above God. And so what that always steals, regardless of what it is you're idolizing, it always steals joy, peace, patience, kindness, joy, freedom, because it's going to put you in bondage. Every other thing we love more than God puts us in bondage. So it's why God was so jealous. It's why he is so jealous because he built us. He did not build us to love anything more than him. And when we do, it often forms addiction. It often forms bondage. It often forms unhealth. And so, um, that is, I think the, the reason he's so jealous for us is that he, he wants our freedom and our freedom comes by loving him above all else. So, I think for me, realizing it was a sin, realizing that I was loving myself and appearance more than God, it, it helped me to start to confess it as sin rather than to let it run wild in me. I started to notice and say, God, will you forgive me for caring about this more yeah. than, than, than the other people in my lives that, that need my attention? Then, then um, you know, so once I treated it like that, I didn't tolerate the thoughts as much. Now that is a long process. That was not overnight. I was that say, was years. Yeah, that you, was years. Did you come out? Did you tell anyone at that time? Did you walk this pretty much you and the Lord, or was there someone else you confessed it to? I had some friends. Certainly at that time in my life, yes, there were some friends that knew. I had told my family. I had told. So yes, I did have people walking through it with me. I did mm-hmm. seek some counseling. So there was, I was not doing this by myself by any stretch of the imagination. However, it was a constant discipline to let people in because it felt, it felt shallow when I would say it, it still did. Like I still struggled to write it in the book because I thought, gosh, it feels like I, you know, I was 
so just self-absorbed. And, and the truth was I was. And, I, and we can't be afraid to say that. You know, we're all <laughs> We all suffering. are. We're all struggling with yes. it. All, it's all different. Yes. And I think because I had a friend that around that time lost their dad, it just it felt so oh selfish to even bring it up in a conversation. So, so I did have to um, discipline myself to do that. Yeah. At the time. But isn't it so, I, I'm just, eating disorders to me are one of the most heinous <laughs> crimes that the enemy commits against us. To call food mm. bad a good thing, mm. to call our bodies ah. fat a good mm. thing. Like you would never deny your baby food. Like that to, for right. him to go after food and then to get into our minds <laughs> in a way, because it really is a dysmorphia of the mind where you look in the mirror, you see it, or what you're pinching, you know, skin starts to feel like mm -hmm. fat or it's a real mental uh, attack on the mind, which is where the renewing has to be. Yes. Forefront. Yes. I love that verse. Yeah. Renewing all the time. Yeah. 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 I, I do think it is. Yeah. It, it does pervert everything right and I remember one of the things that really did help me and really has been freeing ever since was um when I was pregnant with my son I was definitely still coming out of that and and that was probably the most helpful thing because now I had someone else's life to think about and I realized yeah. the devaluing of my life that I had put once yeah. I had a child that I did want to care for that there was such an obvious yeah um brokenness in in this lie that I had believed so yeah yeah it does help when we do see it as as this is this is a twisting and a perversion <laughs> of of what God means for good come on so I know people are going to be asking do you still struggle today do you are you have times yeah it's funny I was with my daughter just now on a live stream about it and you know, that, that's been, so my son's 17, so that's been 17 years ago. And, mm. and we started, both started laughing. And, and one of the things that I was laughing about, because I eat like a crazy person now, <laughs> I, I think, um, I think I need a little more <laughs> discipline when it comes to working out and eating better. <laughs> well, but I got some I, stuff for you. I can send you. Yeah. <laughs> I know the woman you should talk with. that's part of my struggle. It's kind of a pendulum, you know, I'm so all or nothing. Uh -huh. And so uh -huh. I think, I think what it is now is it's not that I struggle with that as much as I do controlling other things. So, you know, my, my idols have grown and changed over time and they're no yeah. less horrific, but now I really have a strong comfort idol. I want my life where I can, where it can be to be easier and more comfortable. And so I don't choose discipline and I don't choose um, those things as well. And so it's just so funny, you know, we're just prone to wander and prone we all are, yeah. we always will be. And, yeah. and so to constantly, you know, be checking where our values and our heart and our affections have, have attached is crucial. So no, it, it really is quite the opposite. I need to, you know, <laughs> probably choose well, discipline over it a little more. It's true. I think that's uh, something that we learn to minister to people. I mean, there's two paths we tend to fall in in the flesh is to obsess over something, to become so obsessed with it, or to neglect and to Put it into that corner where right in the middle is the narrow road, the road where you step by step, hand by hand with Jesus walk so you don't fall into the ditch of the obsessing or the neglecting. And I think we said, uh, Tim Keller said that 
um, idols are not removed, they're replaced, <laughs> right? Yes, So good. I just kick stuff that's around good. in my heart and all of a sudden, oh, hey, Netflix, you're on my heart right now. You're the, you're on the throne of my heart. Yeah. Let me get Jesus back there. Oh, hey, Facebook, yes. you're on the throne of my heart again. Let me get Jesus back yes. there, right? Oh, my yes. gosh. How do you check in with yourself? How do you stay free, Jenny? What's any daily practices, things that you go, I cannot get through without this? Well, I think the biggest thing is not being afraid of what I'm going to find if I sit down with Jesus, if I have a deep conversation with a friend. I've noticed that that because of my comfort idol right now, that I'll sometimes avoid time with Jesus or I'll avoid deeper time with a friend um, when I am not wanting to deal with difficulty or I'm not wanting to see things. And so I think the discipline of choosing to to go there with God, to go there with myself, to go there with other people. That's really what I'm working on in my friendships. I, I started, um, because I can, I can even fool myself, right? It's not even just about, I'm pretty transparent. So if I, I wouldn't lie straight to my friend's face and say, everything's good. If I really Mm -hmm. thought everything was bad, Mm -hmm. but I will tell myself everything's good when, (laughs) when it's not. And so Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start with, just being aware of where I am and what I need. And, and that often happens just when I'm alone with God mm-hmm. and, and yeah. it, it, it takes space and, and yeah. none of us have enough of that. There you know, um, it takes time to think and to pray and to really not just read a devotional and move on with your day, but to really pray and to yeah. be with God and to ask where am I and how, how am I? And so often it's listening to the emotions that I think he's given us to, to notice that something's wrong. And so, I mean, just this week I was feeling some anxiety and, and I couldn't quite pin it. And I, um, I ended up talking to a really good friend and just, and, and starting with that saying, you know, I, I don't know what's wrong. I've, I've got, I'm feeling more anxious than I have in a while. And sure enough, several things came out and up and, and processing them immediately. Like we, I walked away and I, I just felt like I'd had a deep breath and, yeah, so and I don't think we're meant to just keep all of this inside. We're built for community. We're there built for relationship with God and other people We're built for, um, to be known and to be loved and seen. Yeah. And so I think God gives us those emotions of, of fear or anxiety to help lead us to places of freedom to say, Hey, something's not right. And I want more for you and I'm going to lead you over. They're not, consequences necessarily they're not punishments they're they're gifts to help us recognize what we need at that moment you just reminded me sidebar um we have i think we have a friend in common i know we do jen jet yes i love her so much okay i'm just sidebar speaking of of those friends for me yeah speaking of a bold risk-taking woman i'm gonna tell you this story and you can tell her she can hear it on the podcast if she listens um, I met yeah. her at a Declare conference probably like three years ago, maybe four years ago. Yeah. Out of the blue. I didn't know her. She happened to be, no, she, I think she took, I presented there. She came to my class and she didn't have a hotel. She needed to take a shower somewhere. <laughs> and she literally so was Jen, like, I love, her. I love her. She literally was like, hey, could I take a shower? And you're like asking and I love it's that. So I love that someone would say, sure. She and comes so- to Austin. She's never come to Austin with a place to stay. She just knows, like, <laughs> wherever she is that night, she can stay there. You know, she's like a, she's like a little. She's a gypsy. Um, no, mad. I yeah, she's a gypsy. That. There you go. Oh, I, I, so I'm great. envious. I'm sorry. Ever I'm a little so envious nice. of that. Yeah, she sat there. Yes. And it was before she. And so if you guys don't know, check her at the, um, the Well Studio, right? Isn't that her? 
her and that was yeah. just a vision she was showering i was talking to her and she's like so i kind of have this vision of you know a place where women can gather and be well like we kind of have some similar crossover with the wellness thought side yeah. and she wrote the book for the dreamer and the doer and all i know like in the last three years i'm like oh my gosh she's doing it yeah. like she she showed she's up in a shower it. and talked so about it i love yep. her it's like champion yep. her all the way so that yeah that's yep. a that's a good one to have in your corner oh i i do yeah. have a question it might be a little more heavier but i think um i want your opinion on this what do you think right now is the um hardest thing coming against the body of christ in the church what does it feel like the okay we're gonna have to be sober to this several things come to mind but one that i'm really praying through and seeing right now is our tension and temptation to want to do the things of God more than to love him. And, yeah. and so we do the things of God and we put, and we assume that that translates into time with him. The problem is John 15 says what are, what's required of us, what's our place. And it's to abide, you know, that is the calling of our lives, our posture, our position, what we're supposed to do with our day and time. And so when we're out there doing all these things in the name of God, I think what can, and this happened to me, what can happen is we start to, one, we're not abiding, we're not yeah. connected, so yeah. we're producing our own kingdom, we're producing our own, who knows what, you know, I always, in the book I called it nutter butters, like the, mm-hmm. there was a sense of, we're supposed to build fruit, but what humans build is processed food, you know, Amen. so okay. I think to do that for too long, one, you're going to be very, very tired and very empty, and two, you're giving away, you know, crud. It's not, it's not helpful. It's not yeah. fulfilling. It's not, yeah. it's not actually moving the needle on the things God's called us to. It's yeah. just fluff. It's just, uh. it's just causing a lot of people to ingest things that are not good for them. And so the power of fruit is that it's completely built by God. It's created, built there by, is, yeah. sustained by, given to, you know, the world for its good. And so when you're abiding, the power of God is that he takes stillness and a and relationship with him and he translate that and in, in, into nourishment for other people and I think the other way I saw that throughout scripture as I studied the book of John for this project was the streams of living water you know he always was promising not just enough for us but he was promising to not just to satisfy us but to cause satisfaction to pour in and through us into the yeah. lives of other people it wasn't yeah. just a well spring running up into us. It was streams of liver, living water overflowing. Us, so yeah. it's the idea of yeah. I can give you enough for you and I can give you enough for all the people around you, yeah. but you're going to have to, um, what be with me, yeah. know me, walk with me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember after he fed all the, the people, you know, with the fish and loaves and it was just such a miracle and you know, thousands and thousands of people ate, he, all the disciples, disciples are holding leftovers, you know, exactly 12 baskets of leftovers after many people have come back from many helpings. So cool that God can literally plan out that many bites and, <laughs> and leave, you know, just for a message to his men and, yeah. and to all of us. And, and they're each holding leftovers. Well, right after that, that portion of scripture in the same chapter, um, some people are questioning him and saying, what does it look like to do the work of God? How do we do the work of God? <laughs> and he said, the work of the work of God, and it's what our generation's asking. I think we all want yeah. to please God. I think we see a lot of need all around us. I think we're really big advocates. I am too for social justice, justice and yeah. and let's you know I've got a son from Africa, so I yeah. care about racism personally. Yeah. Like I'm fighting that, and we tend to go on these big crusades and go Come fight on. for Come things on. and do things, but we then we we're doing it out of a place of of 
our own strength. We're doing it. And so we're weary. So everybody's tired. And so I think this fatigue, I I definitely think that women have been unleashed in the last five plus years to their gifting and they're doing it, but then they're doing it. We're learning that we're doing it in our own strength. And that's not what God called us to. He doesn't call us to use us. He calls us to be near to us. He calls us to be near to us and then to pour into other people's lives. So I think that probably is the thing that I'm really talking a lot about praying for, for our generation, that, that we wouldn't love the mission of God more than we love God. Girl, I have the Holy Spirit sweats. You just like, (laughs) yeah, that, because for so, such a time, it's so easy. I don't know. Here's me talking about this book again. I don't know if you've read the book called The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb, but it talks about power and how we have this ability yes. now as the Christian who's who of the Christian zoo and people can build platforms and power and it looks like something. It looks like fruit, but it's nutter butter. It I want yeah. I want to last. I want I want to have energy. I want to have joy. I do not want to be run over on a godly mission by That's the right. worldly pressure, you know? So that's this book. Yes. I, I I don't I that, I'm gonna end it on that note. You guys, you need to read this book. That's all I'm saying. You need to connect with If Gathering and If Equip. I have right here in my hand this Enjoying Jesus uh, study uh. that's happening right now. Come on, like you're just singing mm. the song of my heart, Jenny. So to you, and I know to your team. I know there's countless people behind you. Um, we just yes. champion you and are grateful for your footprint right now in this world. Thank you so much. Well, Good to be here. Uh, I love oh, your mission, girl. Thank you, girl. Thank you. Awesome. I, I, I'm going to send you awesome. some stuff. I want to see if I can get you out of your neglect, if the Holy Spirit can get you. I'm telling I'm you. I'm all for it. All right. It's all just <laughs> lots of Jesus. It's just fitness is our tool. Um, would you pray for uh, the listeners as you head out? I would love to. Thanks. Friend. I would love to. God, I thank you so much for every person that's listening to this. God, I, I don't believe that our lives intersect for, for common small purposes. I believe we run into each other and, and discuss these important things for, for great purposes. And, and I believe that you are working together all things for our good. And I pray that for every person that's listening, God, the things that they're wrestling with, the things that they, um, are fighting down to, to not love as much as you, God, would you give them encouragement and strength? And would they smile, God, that, that you do this for us? Is there such a beautiful picture in abiding that we get to rest, that we get to, be with you and watch you move. And that's, mm-hmm. I feel like that's the theme of my life is not that there's been one moment that, yeah. that that there has been something great that I've done. There has been a million moments that I've gotten to watch you do great things so around me. And I'm just, I'm honored. And I pray God that that would be the story of all of our lives, that yeah. we, we know you, we walk with you and out of that flows. Um, streams of living water that yeah. come from you, that are rooted in you, that that are abundant because of you. and. And I thank you for how you've shown me that, how beautiful it is to rest in that and yeah. to experience your kindness. I pray that for every single yeah. woman listening. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.